0: Coming to you live from the planet of Pandora, it's the Hand Plus Podcast, where each week I, Joe Fricky, and my co-host Tristan Mayer break down this week in streaming, whether it's things we watch, things in the news, trailers, uh, anything related to the world of streaming, whether it's movies or television television shows, we're here to talk about it and break it down. Uh, And Tristan is not in a dark room. He is in the middle of moving, so his camera and everything's not set up. He doesn't even have Wi-Fi. Uh, at his apartment or condo I believe he is in a condo so he is working off of his mobile hotspot So his audio quality may not be the best but it's been up We weren't able to put an episode out last week. We wanted to get an episode out So we're like we're gonna work with what we got Tristan. I'm gonna ask you the question. I ask you every week How was your week in streaming?
1: Well, like you mentioned I moved this week, so I had a lot going on. I didn't necessarily stream as much as I normally do but Thankfully, there was a big topic going on this week, a new season of a huge streaming show, one of my favorite streaming shows. So even though I didn't watch a lot, I had a chance to rewatch some episodes of Black Mirror and really get myself prepped for uh, what we're going to be talking about as our main topic this week, because I watched some stuff, but mostly I was in Black Mirror mode all week and moving mode.
0: Yeah, so uh, we're going to break down. We, You know, there wasn't much that dropped this week. We did have Black Mirror, obviously, but that only dropped this morning. Uh, and we're doing this episode later than normal uh so we will be covering the new black mirror season next week uh however at the end of this episode tristan and i uh will be breaking down our top five black mirror episodes prior to this most recent season if you haven't watched black mirror it's kind of like a twilight zone inspired uh series on netflix that's you know inspired by technology and the internet and ai and all of these things Uh, But let's start off with a little bit of news, and that is Selena Gomez and Jordan Peele are developing a series based on the graphic novel Coyotes for Amazon Prime. Uh, Selena Gomez is serving as executive producer, and uh, Jordan Peele is producing it as well, and... The original comic book series follows a town where women are mysteriously going missing. Uh, People have described it as Kill Bill meets The Last of Us with a mythic twist. And, uh, you know, there's a character officer, Frank Coffey, who's trying to get to the bottom of everything when he meets Red, a little girl with a katana blade and a mission. Murder the werewolf stalking the border, picking women off one by one. Uh, this very much sounds like an Amazon Prime series. I think Amazon Prime <laughs> has found their niche. Like, these studios over time are starting to, well, like these streaming services over time are starting to get their own vibe and their own feel, and they don't all feel like just randomness. Netflix has still gone randomness, but I feel like they are slowly m- merging more into like the fantasy and animated side as far as kind of what you expect from a Netflix thing. HBO is obviously a little bit more of the high prestige drama. Disney is pretty much only making things off of their IPs, and they'll throw in something else like American Born Chinese. But Amazon Prime is feels very much violent, uh, dark sci-fi uh, is kind of what they are gearing towards. And this does like you read that, and it's like oh, this feels somewhat like The Boys, like based on a graphic novel, violent. It's a little girl with a katana blade. Like that, if if you didn't tell me what streaming service was making this, I'd be like, it's probably Amazon Prime. Tristan, what are your thoughts on this series? And and uh, Selena Gomez and Jordan Peele being the two behind it.
1: I'm looking forward to it. Uh, we'll see if it actually ends up uh, coming out because obviously there's a lot going on in Hollywood right now, and also Amazon has a tendency to hire big name talent for big shows that end up not ever coming to fruition. So. I hope this one does, though, because Jordan Peele, I think, is a great fit for this premise. And Selena Gomez, after all the murders in the building, I'm really curious, like, what her career is now as an actress and now as a producer, too. I'm curious what her role is in the show. Is she going to be an a-, a part of the cast or is she just going to be a producer behind the scenes? And is Jordan Peele, like, directing every episode and writing every episode or is she just kind of a mind behind the scenes, too? That will be what really make me either sold on this to watch it day one or something that I will kind of put on the back burner like if jordan peele is all in on this and it's like this is my next project you know this is the next note this is the next us to get out this is my, my next thing or is it going to be like twilight zone he's involved ish but it's not really like his baby you know i think that'll be what makes me fall in love with the show or just kind of have it be there that i might watch but never get to
0: yeah, I think it you know time has revealed that Selena Gomez's future is television. I thought I think she was really great on Wizards of Waverly Place even though as I got older, I realized she was just doing a Rachel Green from Friends impression the entire time. Uh but obviously she's found success in Only Murders in the Building. Uh so I you know I think overall in her career her best acting has been on television and I think that's where her career is headed and that's not a negative that's not a knock on her. I think she could have a long uh, television career. and Obviously, Jordan Peele It's kind of, you know, if he's super heavily involved in this, my excitement goes up, but I don't think it completely goes away if he's just kind of a producer name only because the premise does sound uh, interesting.
1: Yeah, I'm hoping for the best. Jordan Peele gives me a big, like, good version of Sh- like Shyamalan vibes, you know? Like, he's doing similar movies and things like that, so this almost feels similar to The Village and when I'm looking at the premises, maybe he's doing his take on on the village, in a way, too, and and my on of course, has done streaming TV too, and I thought it was great work. So hopefully, Jordan Peele can keep it up.
0: Yeah. All right, and I believe also on Amazon Prime Video, you watched *Evil Dead* Rise.
1: I did. Uh, this is out for rental on Amazon Prime Video. It comes on HBO Max, actually. I think in, uh, at the end of the week or next week, sometime in the next few days, it'll be on HBO Max, and I like this a lot. It's a revival of the Evil Dead franchise, but it's very different it's not set in the cabin in the woods you're not seeing ash you're seeing a totally different cast of characters in a very different setting this is an urban setting you're set in the high rise in the middle of a metropolis city you know so it's very very different than a cabin in the woods it would give you a, a strong feeling of isolation anyway you know they're stuck in these dark dingy catacombs that are like grungy and falling apart and you really get that icky gross sense of this kind of like forgotten uh, apartment building that they're living in you know they're low income. they're kind of the apartment's about to be shut down so people are kind of like abandoning the apartment essentially. so you get this sense like they're the gut of a um, society that's kind of like forgotten them, you know in the premise and it's similar in a way to the cabin in the woods, but so visually different that it made it so distinct. and I think they play with that setting in a in a way that makes it so interesting to watch. you know it doesn't go it goes through some of the evil dead lines and stuff like that, but it's never doing like the same scene here again. they're like, here's An obvious, really, really huge, like, just rip-off directly from the old movies. Like, there's lines and stuff like that, but it's not a rip-off. And I think what makes it so unique is that total change in setting the total change in characters is focused on this tight-knit family. It's not just random friends. It's sisters and siblings and people who know each other. So when, you know, someone's watching their mother turn into a living, dead creature and attack them, like, that's going to have an emotional reaction more than just watching some random girlfriend you're hooking up with you know you get the emotion of the characters here more than any of the evil dead movies beforehand so if you've been one who watches those and you're like you know it's just kind of gore and gruesome and violence but that's really it uh, i think you might like this one a lot more there's more thematically to chew on than a lot of the other evil dead movies and i think the performances offer a lot more to attach to than just you know saying cool lines and stuff like that which work in the evil dead movies but if you're looking for something more you know on the cinematic side more on the on the new age horror side, I think you'll like this one a lot. It's a great merge of like those thought provoking horrors about grief type movies, but also just gonzo all at the wall gore fest horror. So I think it's a great uh, hybrid of this kind of changing identity of horror between the highbrow stuff and also just the malignant gonzo stuff. So I like it. I recommend it a lot. You can pay for it or you can just wait and watch down max in a few days. All
0: right. And moving over to Disney plus, um, where? And I lost my spot. I don't believe we had Disney. Yeah, there's no Disney Plus news. Uh, I know I watched the first couple episodes of American Born Chinese. Um, Did you watch all of season one, or where are you on American Born Chinese?
1: I haven't finished all of season one. I'm about halfway through, but uh, so far I'm really, really impressed by the show. I mentioned that I have read the graphic novel, but I feel like this is honestly a, a step up in terms of, like, adventure scale and like this visual uh, scale it's really an exciting adaptation of this the cast is great it's very cool to see the cast of everything everywhere back in these strange different roles but I'm I'm glad that the show is also taking its time you know I feel like after the first two or three episodes you still have these mysteries of how does this all really connect to itself and there's these uh, overarching storylines of these different timelines different people and especially in the beginning you spend a lot of that time kind of trying to figure it out and figure out like wait, who is this guy to this guy and is this really happening or is this kind of some kind of like mythical fantasy thing? Is this the past? Is this now? Is this the future? <laughs> and I, I love that this show ties all of that crazy myth into this main kid. You know, he's just trying to figure out his way, figure out his life. He doesn't want to be like this big hero, this big legend. He doesn't want to be part of that culture in that way. You know, he just wants to live a quote unquote normal life. And I think the way that this is it's pivoting all of that all of that adventure and all of that huge history into this kid who's trying to figure out who he is really kind of humanizes the story in a great way and i can't wait to watch more of it i am curious if this is just going to be a one season thing if they're going to cover like the entirety of the novel in this one thing or if they're going to do some kind of sequels and i would imagine if they do sequels it would be like original material because there's not like a ton of stuff to cover within the graphic novel but so far so good i'm loving the all emerging of the crazy tones it has that high school feel while also feeling like Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, like crash into like a Riverdale Riverdale drama or something like that. It feels like a really cool merge of like these different styles, especially on Disney+. Plus. It almost feels like you're seeing Willow crossover with like High School Musical, the series, (laughs) you know? So I'm liking it a lot. I can't wait to get through the rest of it. And yeah, I'm really excited about uh, seeing how they play that out because I'm really related to the character and his kind of outcast feel and he's trying to figure out who he is and all of that kind of coming through to this crazy adventure really is is working well for me. I hope that this show hits for people.
0: All right, yeah. Um, I haven't gone back and finished the season, but I did like a lot of what I saw in my co-sign. A lot of what you said. I haven't read the graphic novel, so I don't know as far as how it connects or how it improves upon that or anything like that. Uh, but I did lie. There is some news because uh, news dropped between when we were originally supposed to record this show and now. Uh, the Stan Lee documentary uh got put on Disney Plus today, and also the Edward Norton Hulk movie uh got put on Disney Plus today. So there is that Disney oh, wow. Plus news, and we got our first look at the Santa Clauses season two. Uh, part of me feels like I need to hate watch season two because I watched season one. Oh, no, and if it happened how I thought it was gonna happen, I'd have been like, all right, this is a nice closure on the Santa Claus franchise, but. You know, it didn't end the way I think it should have, and now it's just a continuation of this, and I don't care. Like, it was poorly made. It's not that the story is bad, it's not that interesting. I've, as someone who loves the original Santa Claus and even likes Santa Claus 2 and doesn't mind Santa Claus 3, the show was bad. The show is not good. Um, I don't really understand the need or want for it um but yeah that's my thought on the santa Clauses. Uh, tristan i know you didn't really watch it at all but does the fact that it's getting a season two make you want to watch more
1: makes me want to watch it less to be honest with you you know like now that i was gonna be more and more seasons and it's like if i watch it now am i going to be committed enough to watch all of it you know you're talking about hey, watching season two of a show you didn't even like and I, i i know if i watched the first season i'll be there with you joe i'll be like you know what i'm already in i gotta just i gotta just keep going so I feel like if I put my toe in here, I'm just going to start drowning. You know, it's one of those things. So I'm going to stay away from the water and and not go for Santa Claus 2 or 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 1, really, you know? But uh, Incredible Hulk, Edward Norton, Incredible Hulk, underrated movie. I really like that one. It's shot really well. It's, you know, the only movie where I feel like the Hulk is genuinely scary and you feel like Bruce Banner doesn't want to become the Hulk. Mm-hmm. And it's like, when it, every time he does, he hates it, <laughs> you know? And I feel like since then, it's just become you cheer when the Hulk shows up. And in this one, every time the Hulk shows up, you're like, oh, God, this is going to go so bad.
0: And I still, you know, my mentality is Ang Lee's Hulk is still basically the, the setup of the MCU. Because if you watch Ang Lee's Hulk, it ends with him in South America. In the beginning of the Edward Norton Hulk, and that's the Eric Bana Hulk. And then in the beginning of the Eric, um, Edward Norton Hulk, starts with him, like, hiding out in South America. So really, they're basically all... Both of them are the MCU Hulks, in my opinion. You know, people can disagree and feel differently, but I, I, I kind of feel like that Edward Norton Hulk was written to be a sequel to the Eric Bana Hulk, and then the MCU started and things fall apart, and they just re- rewrote it a little bit. But And also, the uh, rights for the Hulk reverted back to Marvel, so Marvel can make a Hulk movie now. He doesn't just have to be a sideline character in other movies, so wouldn't be surprised that whether it's comic-con or the next big marvel event we get an announcement for world war hulk or some other hulk movie
1: we'll see i'd like to see it you know i really enjoy this hulk movie and also the eric Hulk movie so i'd be here for more of it yeah
0: all right and then uh to the last thing disney on disney plus avatar 2 uh dropped as well uh, I haven't seen it since theaters. Tristan, I don't know if you watched it uh, via Disney+. Plus. Uh, I thought it was really good. I thought it was a lot better than the first one, and I like the first one. Um, it's obviously long. I think a lot of people are going to watch it on Disney+, because I think while it made a lot of box office, you didn't see – there wasn't, like, a, a lot of people talking about it. Just It reminded me a lot of Top Gun Maverick, where – it didn't really feel like anyone was talking about it but somehow people were going to see it so i wonder if it was just a lot of the same people repeat watching it and now that it's on disney plus you're going to see a lot more families uh watching it and i wouldn't be surprised if it was kind of like one of the most watched things on disney plus this year
1: yeah i'm curious how people feel about it because i know there was that huge box office obviously but i know there were a lot of people who were offs that said no the first one sucked i'm not going to watch the second one is probably going to suck too but I'm curious if now that it's on streaming, if more people are like, you know what, fine, I'll give it a shot. And they're actually won over because I enjoy the first Avatar enough, but this one blew me away and I loved it. And I rewatched sections of it on Disney Plus and it looks incredible. You know, streaming platforms sometimes don't look great with their 4K streaming, but the Disney Plus stream looks awesome. You know, it might not look as good as a 4K disc is going to look in a couple of days, but it looked really, really good. So yeah if you're one of those holdouts that said oh the first one sucked I'm not gonna try it give it a shot you know mm-hmm. it looks gorgeous it's visually stunning you know so if all you want is is eye candy there's no more eye candy on streaming than avatar 2 yep
0: all right and now over to max no real news we got Velma season two announcement woohoo I'm excited for that not... probably watch it. um yeah, I mean, you you thought it got better over the course of season one. I only watched the first episode or two of season one, and I I I had to stop. I couldn't take it anymore.
1: I I watched a couple of things on Disney on HBO Max this week though, Joe.
0: Oh yeah, what did you watch?
1: Uh, leading up to the Flash this week, I had to catch up on some of my unseen DC work. Uh, not the most acclaimed, I would say, of the of the of the DC movies, but I started. A lot, out oh, with supergirl it okay. was a spinoff uh film from the i want to say the the early 80s of of supergirl it was set kind of within the world of the of the christopher Reeve batman but a superman but not really you know the the, yeah. the krypton looks much different the origin story is like kind of different but they make you feel like you're watching the christopher Reeve movie as much as you possibly can you know the text and the music and stuff is all kind of aping the christopher Reeve uh style even the colors and the costume look like you know, the costume is essentially the Chris reeve costume adapted slightly to the female body you know and this movie not great you know i i love to hype up bad camp movies from the past and be like you know what everyone overhates this howard the duck great movie i loved howard the duck you know this is no howard the duck this is just a very very low budget attempt to rip off the hype of superman you know it feels much more like the holiday special than howard the duck where they're just kind of like, hurry up, hurry up, get some stars who will say yes, because there's a lot of big name actors in this that are. You're like, how, uh, who, why are you in this? But it's almost like you know when they probably paid them enough money to show up and read their lines, like Michael Shannon does in The Flash, and get their paycheck and go home. And this this definitely feels like a cash grab, and uh, it's it's getting some level of appraisal. I feel like when you go on Letterbox, there's a good amount of positive reviews, and I've seen some people on social media try and like reassess this as being good so if you're someone who watches this and gets some camp out of it good for you you know i i'm glad i'm happy you can enjoy it and the performance of the lead actress is pretty good she looks great in the costume there's some good shots that are like pretty cool visuals of supergirl like if you're a supergirl fan and you want to just see like a couple of really cool visuals of that character in action there's some cool visuals but yeah quest for peace level flying effects you know not not put together well at all but you know worth watching for a completionist but for no other reason at all
0: yeah yeah i was looking at the cast list obviously helen slater as supergirl you also got faye dunaway peter o'toole mia farrow and then like you said connecting it to uh the christopher reeve superman movies you got mark McClure as jimmy olsen and he obviously played jimmy olsen in um the christopher reeve superman movies but i know him as the older brother from back to the future so uh, good good crossover. All right, you watched Supergirl, and I believe you also watched uh, another superhero movie.
1: I did. Uh, I I watched the one DCE movie that I couldn't get myself to go see in the theaters. You know, I saw Suicide Squad uh, more, more than once in the theaters, in fact, oh and I couldn't get myself to go see Shazam Fury of the Gods. Uh, the first Shazam was fine, but it looked like the sequel was going to focus on all the stuff I didn't like about the first one and it pretty much does you know Zachary Levi is the lead of this movie uh Billy Batson is not <laughs> uh he he's has scenes and they try and make it feel like oh the, the problem is that you're spending too much time with Shazam you gotta like learn to live in your real life and learn to live in your true self and like that could be good but they don't seem to do anything with that setup it's just they say that it's there so that you can feel like there's an emotional arc but It's one of those things where the characters tell you what they're feeling, but you haven't really seen any of the action showing them feel that. The action is just kind of doofy, dumb jokes and fart jokes and all of the humor of the first movie just turned up to more dumb. You know, it feels like they went to the more on the armpit humor and more on that we're going to goof around and we're going to eat a bunch of junk food and we're going to, say, taste the rainbow and do a bunch of product placement for Skittles. And it felt like more of the lowbrow dumb humor of zachary levi douching around then like the big kind of merging of the because the first movie had a lot of heart right you you felt that emotional arc of the mother kind of abandoning her child and and the son kind of looking to find identity without any parents and this doesn't have any of that it's just the humor that was okay in the first movie but nothing special and some of the worst cgi effects there's a f- this shot towards the beginning where a character was recast between uh, shazam 1 and shazam 2 and there's a flashback scene of shazam 1 in this movie and they go through the process of face mapping the new actress onto the old actress's body so that it looks like the new actress but it has the old actress's body still mm-hmm. and it's very odd and very bizarre and the final the big sequence of this uh team up is like the whole shazamily on this bridge and this big kind of battle and it's it has some cool shots, but it's one of those battles where it's like they cut to somebody fighting somebody, they cut to somebody else fighting somebody, they cut to somebody else fighting somebody in some other place. And there's not really like a connective tissue of like where are they all like in relation to each other. Yeah. this sounds kind of like a big area, <laughs> you know, fighting. So it was not great. My least favorite of the DCEU but I have some I liked some of the more unloved movies of that franchise. So I take that how you will, I guess some people if you love the first one you might get a kick out of this one especially if you thought the first one was hilarious you know if, you th- if you're really attached to zachary levi's humor in that movie you'll get more of that here but i found it him to be grating and annoying and i kept just wishing it switched back to the, the kid <laughs> persona because even though he's not a superhero there was at least something going on there <laughs> in the character but yeah not a fan
0: Yeah, uh, I watched the first one and I felt like there was a good like building blocks there and like this could be something but I think my biggest problem with the movie is young Billy Batson acted more mature than Zachary Levi acted when he was trying to pretend to be a kid and I felt like that was my big disconnect where young Billy Batson felt like a 15, 16 year old but Shazam Billy Batson felt like a 7 year old and so that kind of that disconnect where it just didn't feel like the same character and then a lot of people said it's even worse in the second one uh when billy's obviously supposed to be older and he's still acting like that young did you feel that yeah it,
1: i definitely feel that like from this movie it does not feel like they're the same character at all And that it was something in the first movie that didn't really work it worked in parts you know there were scenes where you felt that but in this movie, I, I never once felt that. I felt like he was transforming into a totally different persona, and personality, and everything was changing. You know, the performance and the emotions and everything. And, yeah, yeah I, I, I'm not a fan of this. And I'm, Between this and Black Adam, I'm pretty happy the DCEU is on its way out because yeah. was, I don't know what we're doing here with these yeah. movies.
0: Yeah. All right. There's uh, something I watched on HBO Max this week, and that's the first episode of What Am I Eating? Uh, if you don't know anything about it, it's essentially the Adam Ruins Everything uh but it's focused purely on food hosted by Zoe De Chanel uh kind of has that same vibe as Adam Ruins Everything where she you know there's a lot of graphics and it feels like a long like comedic youtube video but it was just talking about like healthy fats and trans fats and it's like educational but written in a way that um is entertaining um if you don't like Zoe Deschanel's personality, you're going to hate this show, because I felt like it was written with her in mind as the host. Like, you can just feel her personality oozing out of the show. Um, but if you're a, like, I keep saying it, but if you're an Adam Ruins Everything fan, I think you're going to like this show, uh, especially if you have any interest in food. Um, it, you know, I thought it was decent. I thought it was solid. You know, it's nothing I'm going to sit here and be like, everyone needs to watch this. But if how I described it sounds interesting to you. i definitely check it out
1: i like so national, so it might be a nice background watch you know for the day yeah
0: Yeah, i think background watch is like the perfect way to describe the show i don't think i don't think it's anything anyone's gonna sit down and intentionally like binge the entire season as like they sit and watch the show with like that being their primary focus um yeah you ready to what else
1: do we got oh yeah, I'm ready to move
0: on. What do we got next, Joe? That was everything I got from HBO. All right, yeah, that was HBO, and now we are going over to the streaming service that started it all, basically, and that's Netflix. Um, I watched the first episode of the documentary series Arnold, uh, with each episode cham- you know, focusing on a different point in Uh, bodybuilder turned actor turned governor turned actor again uh Arnold Schwarzenegger his life first episode focused purely on you know him growing up as a young child going into bodybuilding and his rise in bodybuilding and the end is him being like all right I've done everything I need to do in bodybuilding I'm you know I want to be an actor and that's kind of where the episode ends I thought it's really really well made um it's definitely like a lot more than just like oh here's a summary of his wikipedia page like arnold is the narrator host essentially of the documentary so it's not like anything that's going to come out where people are going to be like oh they lied they embellished i mean i'm sure i guess arnold could lie or embellish but you know the guy the guy started out as a person living in austrian it's like oh i'm gonna be a bodybuilder and then he's like oh i'm gonna become the biggest movie star in the world oh i'm gonna move and become a you know marry a descendant of the kennedy dynasty oh i'm gonna become the governor of a state whose name i can't pronounce like why would he need to embellish his life is you know if someone wrote just like oh here's a story of a guy's life and it was fictional but it was arnold schwarzenegger's life You'd say it's unrealistic. Like, there's no way someone could have all of this happen in their life. But, like I said, very well made, uh, really interesting. I loved it. Um, definitely going to be continuing this series. Um, I'm very excited to see, like, his rise as a movie star and then i hope there's a whole i haven't seen what the next chapter is after the movie star but i'm curious i'd love one that's just focused purely on like his run as governor and his time as governor i think that could be really interesting and then maybe an episode as his like post like the mid 2000s to now like everything involving the scandal when we found out he had a legitimate child or whatever and everything he's done since then but Tristan have you seen anything about the Arnold documentary series have you any thoughts on it do you have any interest in watching it are you there
1: I did not know there was an Arnold documentary until this episode of the podcast right now uh-huh. <laughs> but it's one that I'll be watching a fat, I've a I bought pumping iron back in the day you know I'm you know I check out Arnold Schwarzenegger's life story and I'm curious, you know, he's a narrator of this, how much of this is going to be, like, puffed to how, look how great Arnold is and look how awesome he was at everything. And, and all those things that were wrong, Don't let's not talk about those. You know, all those all those affairs, all those other things, let's not talk about that part of the life, you know? So hmm. I'm always hesitant when it's like, oh, the person's involved directly. You wonder how much of it's just going to be, like, a puff piece and how much is actually going to be an informative documentary. So as it goes along, you know, as i watch i'm curious to see how much they get into any of the more negative ends of of his life potentially
0: yeah yeah because like right now obviously with the beginning part of his life there were problems but i don't think any of like the scandals had started yet so it's hard to gauge right now like how much of a puff piece is this gonna be you know Mm -hmm. um but i'm excited to see where it goes um and I'll, be and I'll definitely
1: about. be watching it, so I'll give you some thoughts on it next week uh, as I get a couple episodes in.
0: All right, yeah. You ready to move on to Black Mirror?
1: I'm ready. I've been ready, Joe. Ready for Black Mirror. It's been so many years since the last season. I can't, you know, Uh, 2019 was the last season of Black Mirror, if you can believe it, Joe. It's four years.
0: Yeah, I remember for the for longest most of time... The day. Yeah, I remember for the longest time, I'm like, I don't think we're going to get any more because Charlie Brooker essentially said, like, we live in Black Mirror now. Like, mm-hmm. I couldn't write anything fictionalized anymore because the real world just seems too out there. And so when they announced we're getting more Black Mirror, I was just about as, as shocked as you could be because I was, I was just as resigned myself to the fact that there was no Black Mirror. But the new season's dropped now. Uh, I've anytime I see it mentioned on Twitter or Reddit or anything, I scroll away. I don't want to know any spoilers. I don't know. I don't want to know anything, but I know you watched the first couple episodes. Do you think it's on par with the past seasons? Do you think it's a drop in quality? Where are you at with as far as the quality of this season of Black Mirror so far?
1: Uh, You mentioned that Charlie Brooker said that he wasn't sure where to go with the show because real life seems to have become a Black Mirror episode, and you can feel that reflection of that, I think, in this season so far. The first couple episodes are very grounded in our core reality. They're not creating any like huge, absurd sci-fi reality you know there's no like 15,000 merits whatever it was where it's it like this huge high concept sci-fi or engine apparel everything where i've seen in the first two episodes at least I'm only two episodes uh into this I, I started a third episode and i didn't get all the way through it but the third episode so far was honestly probably the best one yet but the first one i really liked it's very meta it's about a woman who is a tech ceo is kind of a learner going through her life and she turns on uh, a streaming app called Streamberry, which is essentially the Netflix of the Black Mirror universe, and realizes that they've been producing a near-live, uh, true-life series about her life, uh, nearly to the moment, uh, starring Selma Hayek as her. So you have Selma Hayek as herself playing the character of this woman, and she realizes that Netflix has been retelling her life and that she. Inadvertently signed her life rights and being rights away to Netflix in the contract. The user route, when, he, when she signs up, she didn't really change, change the terms of service and realized she signed over to Netflix her entire life. And through her, uh, a home assistant stuff like her Alexa and things like that, she's being live recorded for CGI to be uh, repurposed and resold as a Netflix. Hey, CGI you're show, starting, so starting to lie. spoil
0: <laughs> things, man. Calm down.
1: Well, I mean that's like the first few minutes of the episode, oh, man, you know, and oh, I feel man. like that's well first few minutes but yeah you know i spoiled the first act a little bit further for you i would say all right i tried but, to like
0: stop listening and then i'm like i can't stop i can't not listen with headphones on my ears so
1: look yeah that's the of the first one she's kind of realizing it's a netflix documentary that's like about her and Selma hayek is playing her So very interesting the second one follows uh, people, these uh film students who go on a trip to this available nature documentary and as they're filming it, they start to uncover a murder mystery in this small town, so it's kind of a, a found footage take on Black Mirror, so I, I'm curious to see as I go along how much this jumps around in genres. The third episode that I haven't gotten too far in yet stars uh, Aaron Paul and uh, Kate Mara and Josh Hartnett, so definitely the biggest cast, uh, I would say, in terms of amount of people in it, and uh, they're like these space uh I don't want to spoil too much of these people, but there are two people who are in space. <laughs> and uh, the rest of it, you got to watch as it uh, as it unfolds. But uh, yeah, so far, I'm really curious. This show is all over the place on a genre map so far. And I've heard that there's an episode coming up that is going to go full-blown horror. They've been uh, marketing it, marking it, marking the final episode of the season as a Red Mirror episode. So what does that mean? I don't know. We're going to have to watch and find out what that means. But uh, so far, so great. I honestly feel like this is a step above the previous season. The, the last season was a little rocky for me. As we get into our list, we'll see how I feel about these seasons as a whole, I think. But this is definitely one of the better seasons so far, uh, at least. And I can't wait to watch the rest of it and see how it goes. was a huge cast list, probably the biggest cast list. If you go scroll down, you got Michael Sarah, and people like that showing up. So uh, keep your eyes peeled for some big names. And yeah, Black Mirror is back. And a lot of the stuff is really relevant to today and to current... Current media, you know, our our true kind of obsession is right in here. Our kind of need for real life immediate content all the time, like the constant need for streaming, I feel like is part of that episode. So I'm really curious to see how you feel about it, Joe. And by next week, I'll probably have watched the whole season.
0: Yeah, same. My fiance and I are probably going to start the season tonight. So one thing we forgot before we move on to our lists is going back to to Max, not HBO Max. Um, you watched the Idol, the Lily Rose Depp and the Weeknd Show. Oh I just wanted yes. To quick thoughts uh, on
1: that. Speaking of terrible, you know, uh, Sam Levinson started so high with the first season of Euphoria, and I feel like his goodwill has has dived very quickly, and. Part of that turned the show into a pure hate watch. I feel like social media is taking all of the extreme level cringe lines out of context to make a chance to dunk on the show. But, you know, I go back to watch Euphoria and I feel like that's definitely a kind of extremist show. And they say a lot of wild things that I feel like people wouldn't necessarily say. But it's sort of like these absurd characters in almost almost like surreal way, you know. But and this show is kind of surreal in that way, like The weekend's character is so gross and so weird and the fact that people are like all surrounding him and like infatuated by him reminds me of James Franco in uh, Spring Breakers, where he's like this really weird guy. But for some reason, all these like hot women are like clinging all over him. And there's like no explanation in the world of like why that is. But it makes you wonder if Sam Levinson thinks this guy is cool or is he writing him to be weird and gross? Because the weekend in an interview said, that, oh, yeah, he's supposed to be cringe. He's supposed, you not supposed to think that he's like hot and sexy. But... The way the shot, the way the show is shot, I'm not like sure that's true, you know. And yeah. there's a lot of extreme, extreme stuff in here. If you don't know the story of this, is Lily Rose Depp plays like an up and coming singer who really wants to break it, and the weekend is a producer who, uh, because of sexual favors, decides to take him, take uh, Lily Rose Depp under his wing and kind of uh, push her career forward. And the sexual favors are portrayed in extreme. Detail and for a long time, you know, with Sam Levinson, he seems to like his eroticism. You know, whether it's in uh, Euphoria or it's in Malcolm and Marie, he seems to have a thing for eroticism, and that can be fun. And that can have its place, but there's a line where it feels like you're just being very obs- obscene. <laughs> you know, and I don't want to feel like I'm I'm some conservative canceling person who's saying, oh, you know, you can't have all of this sex on my TV. But it seems to a point where he's doing it purely to like be gross and be weird and like start a conversation and there's value in that, but I'm not sure that I'm attached to this. I'm going to watch a couple more episodes, but I think I'm, I think I'm the only one because the ratings for this have been great. And I'm a little interested to see like, where does he go with this? Like w- what side of the way is he going to be on? Are we supposed to be grossed out by this guy? Does he get his comeuppance by the end? Or I don't know what to expect from a little bit of this plot, but I'm, I'm in for a couple more episodes, but barely, you know, and that's only because of euphoria giving me the confidence that this guy might know what he's doing.
0: Yeah. Maybe. One day. We'll find out. Yeah.
1: You ready? But yeah, yet? definitely definitely not one to watch with your parents, Joe. If you're yeah. feeling like, oh, I'm with my mom and dad, hey. let's throw on the Idol. You know, I we like American Idol. This is like a, a spinoff of that, right? She's like one of the Idols.
0: Yeah. Hey, I'm the idiot that made the mistake of accidentally. Well, not accidentally. I chose to watch it. I had already seen the movie and forgotten why I shouldn't do that, but I watched Uncut Gems with my parents. So, yay me.
1: Oh, a lot of good ones in there.
0: Uh, anyways, you ready to hop on to our top five?
1: Let's go. I, I thought long and hard about this one, so I didn't re a did couple episodes.
0: I, I didn't rewatch any episodes. I went purely, I went to Wikipedia, I looked at the episodes list, and then I'm like, this should make my top five, this should make my top five, and then when I went through and I was happy with the five, I put them in order, and here they are. <laughs> We'll just. Alter- I like it. We'll just alternate back and forth. I'll do my five. You do you five. I'll do my four. You do your four. On and on and on. Um, if it's more than like two, basically, if eh, do we want to have a punt? Essentially, I feel like we should probably both have I feel the same like number if... one. Would be my. Well, assumption. I, I'm
1: curious. I'm thinking. I know. I could guess your number one, but um, I'm, I'm, it's my also number one. But we'll see. If we hit the number one, we'll punt. That's the only yeah, one. We'll punt. That's the only one. We'll punt yeah. on
0: number one. So my number five uh, is The Entire History of You, which, is that on your list?
1: It is not on my list, no.
0: All right. So The Entire History of You, it is... That's season one,
1: episode three.
0: Yeah, season one, episode three. It stars Toby Kebbell and Jodie Whittaker um, and written by Jesse Armstrong, actually, not written by uh, Charlie Brooker. But essentially the plot is there is a chip you can install in your head that remember that stores all of your memories everything you see it sees or like basically your eyes transmit information to it everything you hear so essentially you have tivo in your head so if someone says something and they say a name and you're like "Ah, oh crap what was that guy's name you can rewind go back to that moment and you can play the moment where he says hi my name is blah 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 and essentially using this device a guy has an assumption that his wife is cheating on him and it starts a whole fight. and it's very much like how much do you actually want to remember? like you think, oh, being able to remember everything would be great, but it makes you wonder like would it be great because would it cause you to just question and want to relive moments over and over even if they aren't the happiest moments but do you remember this episode, Tristan? what are your I know it's not in your top five, but is it you know are you is it a respectable top five to you like you
1: I, yeah, I'm, I'm surprised it's in your pick because I don't really see this a lot in a lot of the top lists, but I'm happy you picked it. I think it's an interesting choice, especially because you mentioned that Jesse Armstrong, who went on to left well, this succession, which we talked about a lot on the show. But yeah, the only episode not written by Charlie Brooker, and you can kind of feel it. I remember there being a lot of Jesse Armstrong and the dialogue and the interactions of these characters and kind of like the upper, upper like the lower upper class of kind of the characters is very Jesse Armstrong. But yeah, I... Uh, i like this one i feel like what makes it work is that it's such a classic sci-fi premise you know it's like be careful what you wish for kind of sci-fi you know you get this thing you think sounds great and you use it for great reasons for a little bit and then it kind of of course tears you down and tears you apart but i think what also works for this is that you get the sense of this marriage is going to fall apart either way like the technology was just the impotence of making it happen you know and you feel like that's a lot of a black mirror is it just it, it doesn't create he, technology doesn't create evil but it kind of like expands upon the evil within a person you know and i feel like you get that from this even without charlie brooker involved in the episode you still get like those themes that i think connect connected to the rest of his vision of black mirror
0: yeah yeah i get that and uh what is your uh number five
1: my number five is one that uh may be higher up on your list it was definitely an award winner uh, a darling for the Emmys, and that is USS Callister. I'm not That's sure if you got not that. not on, on my on list. Your, your It'd probably
0: list. be my like eight or nine range.
1: Yeah, this one stars. Uh, oh god, what's the guy's name from? Jesse Plemons. Jesse Plemons from Breaking Bad. He played Todd on Breaking Bad. You also have Christy uh, Miladi, who played who played the mother on How About Your Mother? You have Jimmy Simpson from uh, Westworld, and uh, the it's always sunny. You have Michaela Cole, who would go on to be uh, great. Um, so may, on the HBO show, uh, Destroy Me or whatever. God, I'm not pulling it now, but I May Destroy You With her original uh, production. She kind of like worked on that herself. She's a great, great actress, but yeah, this is uh, a really all-star cast, and Jesse uh, plays this guy who's like a Star Trek captain at the beginning of the show, and he's kind of living his fan- male fantasy. Everyone listens to him and thinks he's like the smartest person of all time, and everyone loves him, and then as you Go along you start to uncover like twist by twist that this is not what it seems to be and what i love about this so much is that twist by twist nature of it it's like as soon as you feel like you're ahead of the show like pull some totally new perspective on you and totally change the way you're looking at the characters and i love the way speaking of westworld that kind of like humanizes like characters that don't physically exist as as humans you know it kind of answers that question of like what is the line between an ai and, and a human you know and Are these people that were created for the simulation are they valuable are they living things or can are they something you can just hit delete and not feel anything about and that's a question that i think we have to ask a lot as we go forward as a a society like (laughs) where that line is i feel like that's going to come up again in in this list maybe but yeah i like this a lot because of the big side level You you feel like you're getting a star trek episode at the beginning and it's not a star trek episode at all it's more of this really really dark look into like male fantasy and toxic masculinity and Like this shut-in guy getting everything that he wants. He's got like this really incel personality. So, yeah, I like this one a lot, a little bit bit ahead of its time in some of the commentary about masculinity, I guess. But uh, definitely like this one a lot, and it's one that won so many awards for a reason.
0: Yeah, I like it. It's definitely one I pulled when I was like, okay, will this be in my top five? As I was going, basically, I just went from season one, episode one, and down, and I'm like, okay, this could be a top five. And it was definitely one I pulled, but when I went to arrange them, it kind of ended up in like that eight or nine spot. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's a really good episode. I think it was the first episode of that season, and it was one they used a lot in the promos for that season. That, and, you know, it's a good episode. Uh, I really like it. And just, unfortunately, didn't make quite the cutoff for my top five.
1: Yeah, I understand that. When it was hard to make this list. There were yeah. so many great ones. If you feel like, you have a good list, and you're like, "Oh God, that was such a good episode." I I thought about getting Bandersnatch on here. I had a great time with Bandersnatch, but I couldn't really get it on the list compared to some of these like genuinely great sci-fi stories. You know?
0: Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I get that. All right. So my next one isn't uh, fully uh, sci-fi. um You know, it's it's very reminiscent, almost of the first episode where it uses technology. But it's something that legitimately could happen today, and that is... What episode was it? Or what season was it? Season 3, Episode 3, Shut Up and Dance, uh, directed by James Watkins, written by Charlie Brooker and William Bridges. It stars Alex Lothar, who people may have also seen in Andor, and Jerome Flynn, who people have seen in Game of Thrones. And essentially this, like, high school kid... Old, old not high school. I'd say, like, you know, 18, 19-year-old kid uh, is caught masturbating uh, on his webcam. And someone's like, oh, I have vid- video footage of you. And forces them to do all of these things, all of these crazy things. And you're rooting for them because you're like, uh, eh, like, what, what they did wasn't that bad. And it just shows, like, how... You know, technology even today can be scary and control our lives. And, you know, there's twists and turns, obviously. I don't want to say too much, but, you know, are here, you know, kind of, you know, you get to a point where you're like, are the heroes the heroes or are the heroes the villains? And I think that's another commentary from the episode, but. Did this episode make your list? I should have asked first before I
1: started talking. It, it uh, did not make my list. I ended up, I have one that I feel very similarly about that made the list for me, but we'll talk about that uh, in the next round. But yeah, something I like about this episode, something that I think Charlie Brooker does a lot is he really makes you question like the nature of who you're rooting for, you know? And like the nature of media is that we run a route for the main character. You see the main character and you assume that they're doing the right thing and you kind of place yourself in the brain of that main character and i love that this one pulls the rug up mind you just in like the last few seconds like i remember my dad watched this and he missed that twist at the end you know he didn't really he totally did not catch the reveal of the the nature of the of the photography of the what he was looking at on that computer you know
0: yeah and it uses the fucking save the cat moment against you like you don't even realize (laughs) it like the first watch but when you go back and re-watch it it uses the save the cat moment against you
1: yeah, and I really like the performances here. I think the uh, – not, not anything really from Jerome Flynn, but I feel like Alex Lothar gives a great, like, kid out of his element. You know, he's gotten caught doing the worst thing you can possibly get caught doing, and now, he, you know, you can see all the thoughts running through his mind of how he's going to lose. He's going to get fired. His parents are going to find out he's going to lose. His, he's going to get out fired, uh, expelled from school. You know, he might go to jail, all of these different things. And when you're that young, you're not really thinking – rationally either you know so you're not thinking like okay is this really as bad as it could be is there a way i can get get my way around this and somehow like he's just doing what he asked what he's told to do you know mm-hmm. and i i really like this episode a lot uh didn't make my list it's not one of my favorite episodes of the show i feel like it's a little too much on the grounded side a little a little too on the icky end. Yeah, uh like that. i'm not one that i want to revisit necessarily uh you know but i i like the way that it Pulls that under you, you know it's, a, it's an effective one. You don't want to rewatch it because of, like, the reasons that it wants you to not rewatch it. You know. Yeah,
0: yeah, I get that. And what what was your number four?
1: My number four uh, is one that you may maybe on your list as well. It uh, stars Haley Atwell and Donwell Gleason. It's called Be Right Back. Uh, that's
0: one that I've watched, and it's fine. You know, it's not. Like, it's not bad or anything. It's just not one I've really connected with. It's not one that's one of my favorites. But I understand why it would be on someone's list. It's not, you know, bad or anything. It's just not one I connect with the same that someone else might.
1: Yeah, uh, this one's Haley Atwell from Captain America and various Marvel stuff. And Donald Gleason from Star Wars and Harry Potter and Ex uh, Mahina. He, this is very Ex in this premise, honestly, because the. He, Jamal Gleason passes away uh, and his wife is distraught in a grieving and grieving in the morning and she decides to buy an AI that replicates her dead lover's personality and it starts out as just kind of a chatbot and slowly but surely they're like hey what if we had like the voice and what if you know what if after we had we had like you know the the guy could walk around and he could kind of look like him and kind of sound like him wouldn't that be nice and suddenly she's talking to this AI as if it's really him and he's back to life again and why this made my cut for the list is that I feel like it's shockingly relevant to our current conversation on technology. And when we're talking about sci-fi and Black Mirror, I feel like Black Mirror was warning us of like what we could fall down to if we become too dependent on technology for our emotional needs, our physical needs, our practical needs. We have to keep the humanity somewhere. And uh, with AI chats, like, and like the line between AI art and in true art, and people even have like these AI girlfriends you can download that will tell you how, how cute, how nice you are. And they will remember things about you and all of that stuff. And that's seems nice on the, on the face of it. But like, what does that to do to society that can stay at home and isolate themselves and never have to mourn, never have to like face loss. You know, if like your AI girlfriend is mean to you, you can go in there and change the coding or download a new one or, or, you know, anything to not have to deal with a confrontation, you know? And I, I watched this episode again and it cemented itself onto this list because I feel like it really with all of that sci-fi it still works emotionally you feel like you you understand why she wouldn't want to let go and you feel like if you were in this situation too like if you had the chance to have an AI replica of one of your dead parents or your sibling or your son be there with you what you, you would want to you know you would that temptation would be so strong and you feel that in this episode but for me it got on the list just because of that conversation is so relevant to today and it's a question that we're literally talking about like on the daily with the writer strikes and with AI art and all of these different AI related questions, you know, can AI replicate like the touch of a human being, or is it just replicating data that seems human, you know, and is that in the end much different than us just replicating data that we're being given that, you know, what we're told to do with things like that. I I love the questions of this episode. So for me, it gets on the list because of the sci-fi of it and how much it really feels relevant to today.
0: Yeah yeah like i get like even you know ai art and stuff it's wild like someone showed i on twitter i saw the other day of someone gave ai art the same prompt in april of 2022 versus april of 2023 and in april of 2022 it's like very clearly like um you know ai art essentially and then mm-hmm. april of 2023 you couldn't tell me that wasn't a photograph like like, it looked like yeah. a real, genuine human person. And it's like, if we've advanced that much in a year, well, what are things going to be a year from now, you know? Yeah, and
1: the morality question of it, too. We're seeing a lot of, like, media resurrecting dead actors to star as the characters again. And, like, that's is that barbaric and creepy? Or is that, like, emotionally satisfying? Are you keep Are you, like, preserving them alive forever in some meaningful way? Or are you just kind of making their memory into capital? You know, and I'm not sure how to feel about a lot of those questions because there's no guessing of where this is going to go right now you know so it's, it's a very relevant moment i feel like to the current technology conversation
0: yeah like there's times like maybe we're veering too off topic here but there's times you know like i think in a movie like once upon a time in hollywood like if you wanted a party scene like a hollywood party scene at that time and like as leonardo dicaprio brad pitt's character is moving through a party they had face mapped people of that era onto you know random extras heads and stuff and there's no real performance there's no real lines it just looks like those people at that party I don't have a problem with but if they're like oh this is a new John Wayne movie I'd be like it's not though you know like you can say it is but it's not
1: yeah there's a line and you I feel like we're really trying to straddle that line and we're seeing people being like oh what if we just made a movie about like Marilyn Monroe and she was this AI avatar that like interacted with you and could do whatever you wanted to and like that's terrifying feature that's like a really weird reality to want to live in you know when i don't this this for such a small premise such a focused internal like character premise it raises so many questions that feels so huge and so relevant to so many different topics
0: yeah you ready for my number three what do you got all right i'm looking for it so it is give me one second you're trying to find the season it is season four season four episode six Black Museum, starring Douglas Hodge and probably, at least in the U.S., the first introduction of Letitia Wright, who's obviously now gone to star in the Black Panther franchise, but it stars her character who goes and visits the Black Museum, which is essentially items that are seen in the Black Mirror universe, like in previous episodes, which is why even though it's an, an anthology show, it's best watched in release order. It's I feel like there are certain episodes like this and one we'll talk about later to where it's like, there's a reason why you kind of have to watch it in release order. Cause you want to see this technology and fictional, fictional technology released in, you know, order. Um, but yeah, she goes and visits this museum. And then in there is a guy who's like, essentially like his soul or his memory has, and like, as he was on death row, as he was getting prepped on the electric chair, um, is now like preserved in a keychain so it's almost like you get this weird like torture fantasy almost of like oh anytime you're having a bad time you can like essentially torture this person on your keychain and um i just think it was a cool like summation of all of the different themes and all of the different stuff in the series that we had seen so far but even like this had the twists and turns and even kind of going back to your ai of like are we going to get to a point where we can preserve people's consciousness artificially and what ramifications are of that? Like, are there going to be people that are so horrific and horrible that we want to preserve their consciousness to continue to torture them? Or are there people who are so like smart and genius and so amazing that we want to preserve their consciousness artificially to continue to create and do things? And is it even them? And I think it's kind of, balances both worlds of in this episode where it shows it's kind of a love letter almost to previous Black Mirror episodes while also continuing to talk about various themes and stuff that we get in Black Mirror.
1: Yeah, what I like, I do like that this kind of ties a lot of this stuff together and people going into this or picking up those Easter eggs, you know, maybe a couple the song from 50,000 Mirrors will play in a handful of other episodes or the, the prime minister from, The first episode will be in the background of a news cap or some other episode. So there's things that connect these kind of to each other, but this is the first time and the only time at least so far that they've truly like brought any level of like a crossover to black mirror. So it's interesting. And I like that. They didn't like do any full blown crazy, no way home level crossover type of thing. It's just kind of like the technology crosses over, you know? And I, I think that this one's interesting. I also think it's interesting. Like the question,
0: oh we lost tristan all right so we're talking black museum leticia right um like i said um solid episode i am gonna have to go back and make sure he can get back on You still here
1: i'm still here uh i was taken over by an ai for a moment you know they heard Uh,
0: us um, the ai heard us talking shit and they're like stop the podcast stop the podcast (laughs)
1: I talk more about this in the next uh, my next pick anyway, but I do feel like this is an interesting question of like what is the limit of like punishment, you know, like how far is too far when you're holding oh, somebody okay. accountable for something, you know?
0: And I know what your next and that your next pick is probably my number six. I'll say that.
1: Nice, that'll be my next pick. Should we guard right into it or you got any yeah. final thoughts no, on the I, black I, museum? I said
0: everything I need to say about black museum. You can do uh you can talk about white bear now. I do. My number three as uh, a White Bear. I didn't write down the episode numbers for these,
1: unfortunately. But um, I believe that was what season two? Season one Ooh, or two. It was early on. Early Season on.
0: one or two, yeah.
1: But uh, this follows a woman who wakes up in a mysterious house with amnesia. She has no idea uh, where she is or who she is or what's going on, but there's she's surrounded by people who don't speak, don't say any words to her just look at her mostly through cell phone cameras. So it feels very on the nose at first of like what they're saying about this, like, Oh yeah. Wow. phone cameras, you know, they, they desensitize you to, to whatever, you know, and you feel like you are ahead of the show already within the first like two minutes. But uh, as it goes around, you kind of get the huge scale of this world. And like, there's people who are not affected by the phone screen things. And she's kind of like trying to survive and being attacked by all these people. And, I don't want to necessarily go into all the details of the episode, but you get uh, towards the end you get a reveal of the fact that this woman had committed a horrendous crime and that her punishment being here at the white bear was, uh, she was going to essentially forever be locked up in this loop of having to experience the fear and terror that she instilled in somebody else. She's going to see what it's like to be uh, at experiencing pain at the end of a phone camera and she's going to know what it's like to experience someone not caring about what it feels like to uh to go through all of this pain and uh i love this episode i feel like it's very moving and it's very powerful and like i said during show up and dance charlie brooker seems to like to trick you into rooting people that you wouldn't necessarily want to root for and then questioning yourself for why you're rooting for them but then also kind of Going back and being like, well, maybe I'm rooting for them because they're still a human being. and I'm finding some kind of level of empathy for that human being, despite some terrible thing they might have done, you know. And I feel like this has so much to talk about in terms of the obvious, the cell phone stuff and how, like, I think that translates to cancel culture in a way, too, which, you know, how we can perfectly feel happy to ruin somebody's life and reputation and tear them completely apart and be like, hey, you know, it's just the internet, you know, it's just Twitter. And yeah, really thinking about the fact that there's a person on the other side of that cell phone. And uh, we kind of, it also feels very obvious to how we dehumanize criminals and convicts and we kind of refuse to ever let them have their own lives in this country, we refuse to let them vote or like have normal jobs and have homes without having to declare themselves as, as convicts. I feel like that's something that is definitely part of the show and that what how far is too far like at what point is someone not even not even the person that you hurt you anymore you know what are you doing this for at at what point are you becoming the aggressor and should you be the bigger person and be like you know what this is over we can't be doing this to a person you know and i love that question i love the ambiguity of like i've seen a lot of fights over this episode and whether or not you, you should be rooting for this person or not and what the real problem of this episode is and i love this i feel like the question of how we treat criminals and convicts in society is one that people are not necessarily willing to have a lot, and it gets a lot of people mad They say, oh, well, you know, they they, they hurt someone, they, they robbed someone, they did this or they did that, and they don't think about the fact that that's a human being, too. You know, and we got to think about the reality of, like, that's a human being on the other side of this crime, and whether or not you like what they did or think they did the right thing, you have to empathize with, like, that's a human that's existing that has feelings and emotions, too, and... I love this episode for dealing with that question so head on and also doing it through such a crazy, swerving mystery narrative. Like you never quite know where it's going with all these different turns. And I love that that for the show.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I agree with a lot of what you said. You know, it's a very good episode. Like I said, it's probably my number six. Um, well, When I did math it out, everything, it was my number six. It's really good um it does kind of have you question who you should be rooting for and also technology's role in that and uh it's a very good episode and uh where are we was what number was that for you
1: that was my uh number three All right. so i have two left currently
0: and that, i looked it up that was season two episode two and now we were on my pick for number two season three episode two And that is the Wyatt Russell starring Dan Trachtenberg directed play play test. Dan Trachtenberg uh, has directed some great sci-fi horror movies in Prey and 10 Cloverfield Lane. Uh, And this movie, Wyatt Russell, uh, essentially gets the chance to test out this new um, virtual reality uh, video game where it starts where um he plays you know this whack-a-mole game where it looks like these moles are popping out of his table and then they're like hey do you want to try a more advanced version and you know they implant this chip into his head and he gets to go into this horror house and you know they basically say like hey nothing there can actually hurt you it's all virtual it's all in your mind Blah 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 and it but it plays on your actual fears and it can like use your mind to create the haunted house and it's a great i think horror episode that's why i can't wait to watch uh what they're calling the red mirror episode
1: um yeah i'm definitely excited for that one I, i'll butt in to say you might be extra excited because that episode is directed by the man behind multiple episodes of endor he directed i think like five or six oh, endor nice. episodes so if you like oh. the way that looked
0: all right i'm definitely looking forward to that one uh was Playtest anywhere near making your list
1: not for me i like it it's a it's a good sci-fi premise i like the horror elements of it it's definitely one that i enjoyed watching and there's a good twist at the end and i love the way that it like definitely leads to the horror genre sci-fi in the setting i guess but like it's it definitely is a horror episode you know it doesn't just kind of be a horror episode it genuinely is a horror episode and i feel like some shows will be like oh we're kind of changing up a genre a little bit but they don't totally really change it up and black mirror doesn't hesitate to swing for totally different genres. And I feel like this new season is going to be much more along the lines of that. So I was happy that Playtest made your list because I feel like Playtest is the most like this new season so far of any of the previous Black Mirror episodes. It definitely feels like they're using technology to explore totally different genres outside of sci-fi as we know it. You know, so I'm curious what your thoughts will be on this new season now that I know how you love Playtest so much. Yeah,
0: it's it's a great episode. You know, it's the episode that I think I'd seen Wyatt Russell in like one or two things before, but it was the first one I watched where I was like, oh, I think he's going to be a massive star. He hasn't quite rose to the massive level, but I th- uh, think he still could.
1: Yeah, I definitely feel like this and, and Falcon and the Winter Soldier put him on the map to really be taking off because those are both some great performances. Yeah.
0: All right, that's my number two. What is your number two?
1: My number two is one that I don't expect to be on a lot of people's lists, but it's one that really, really hit for me, and it's one that I rewatched and decided to move up a spot from three to number two. And that episode is called Smithereens from season five, episode two of Smithereen uh Black Mirror, the most recent season prior to this newest one. Uh and this follows a rideshare driver played by Andrew Scott from Sherlock. You played Moriarty in Sherlock. Uh he kidnaps an intern who works for this massive tech company that's kind of like a Google Facebook kind of hybrid and He holds him hostage, demanding to talk to their eccentric, uber-rich CEO uh, because he wants to make some unknown demand of him. And uh, you get this uh, really tight, escalating crime thriller where it's not really sci-fi at all. But it's sort of like using our relationship to technology to tell this very personal, tight thriller. Like It's almost entirely set within the car. So if you think of something like Locke with Tom Hardy, and you like the the challenge of something in such a limited setting i loved this one for that and uh charlie Brooker mentioned that uh he cracks up laughing sometimes while he writes this show and people end the time of the interview were like how the show is so dark what could you be laughing about while writing this and after watching this this episode again i definitely understand why because this episode is very very funny like it's dark in the in the in the plot but andrew scott's performance and like his escalatingly tense dialogue and he is so so funny and you can tell he's like completely out of his element and not at all a criminal but he's like in this snowballing effect where all of a sudden the cops are rolling up on him and now he's got to get on the phone with like the fbi and now they're trying now he's got to call like the cfo of the company because the, the guy he got was just an intern so he's got to like kind of go up the corporate ladder over the phone and I think this is a really funny episode. It's a really uh, shocking episode at the end. There's kind of like this brutal reality check where it brings you back down to reality. And there's also, you talk about like SARS and people being in Black Mirror. For me, this is probably my favorite in terms of, I had no idea that this person was in this episode. And then all of a sudden the actor shows up and you're like, oh my God, that's amazing. This episode just got like a whole letter grade better better for me. But yeah, one that I think is super underrated and one that I feel like if you should rewatch it, if you kind of, don't think much of it and uh, give it another look because I feel like it's a great, uh, tight, really focused and heartbreaking thriller with some really fun like Uncad Gems of Anxiety from Andrew Scott. <laughs> so check it out. And it's, it's one that I feel like it's underrated because it's so not sci-fi. It's probably the least sci-fi of the entirety outside of the first episode. But yeah, I, I definitely recommend you giving this one another watch if you, if you don't think much of it because it's one of my favorites for sure.
0: I'm going to be honest, I don't remember this episode at all. I think it was one of the ones where I was going through, I'm like, I don't remember the episode, so I'm not. if I don't remember it, I can't really put it in my top five.
1: Yeah, I don't blame you because it's definitely one that I feel like is not talked about nearly compared to the rest of the episodes we talked about so far. Like, all these episodes I feel like get posted about, especially at number one, I can assume where we're going for number one at this point. But, yeah, this one I feel like is not talked about nearly enough, so give it another watch. And Andrew Scott is so, so funny in this. He should have gotten an Emmy, you know? Should I should have won something out of this one?
0: Forget that. All right, you ready to move to uh, what I assume is both of our number ones? And are you dreaming of it? I I I you know what I thought so hard about not
1: putting this number one, but it was just disingenuous to not put it number one. Anything I tried to put over it, I was just like, you know, I can't I can't do it. You mm. know, it, it's it's not true. It's
0: not real. You know. Yeah. Yeah. And so. uh, I think it's safe to say I'm going to go out on a limb and say that your favorite episode, the one, it's clearly everyone's number one. It's it's Nosedive, right? The Waldo moment? The Waldo moment. Yeah. Um, <laughs> my number one, and I believe you're number one, is the special from 2014, uh, the seventh episode overall, and that is White Christmas. Uh, directed by Carl Tibbetts, written by Charlie Brooker, starring John Hamm. You got Rafe Spall, who people may know. Um, from being the son of the guy who is in Harry Potter, Timothy Spall. Uh, You got Una Chaplin, granddaughter of Charlie Chaplin. So, you know, a lot of descendants of more famous people in this episode. Uh, But it's essentially, you know, this show is an anthology show. It's almost an anthology episode where there's different stories mixed into this main story. And they're all slowly kind of building towards a finale where in the finale all of the various stories come together um you know there's one where this guy is kind of this coach and tries to help men date women and he like can like has technology where he's on a webcam and he can see through their eyes and like listen to what they can hear and all of that and then it's kind of revealed that he's also selling the ability for other people to watch along with him to make fun of the guy essentially um And then you have this episode where this character, this girl, is, or sorry, this guy has like this personal assistant, almost like an Alexa, and that there's a character in it. And when this, the Alexa almost has its own persona. And if the Alexa doesn't listen to the person, he kind of tortures it almost. And then finally a third story of a guy who him and his wife get divorced and right before they divorce uh she gets pregnant and then him the guy trying to see his child and everything along with that and it's just i don't want to reveal too much i think every story is great honestly i think each individual uh segment in the anthology by itself probably would have made my top five um but Tristan, I've talked a lot about White Christmas. What are your thoughts on White
1: Christmas? Yeah, White Christmas, I think, is a great merging of all these different themes. You mentioned all those different stories that weave together, and I think what makes this so great is it has all those different themes of what Black Mirror is, and it kind of builds them all together into, like, the finale, you know? And where Black Christmas was obviously referencing other episodes, this feels like it's much more connected to, like, the, the theme of Black Mirror as a whole. And I mentioned, like, I really enjoy how he contemplates how... Our line between vengeance and like justice you know and you feel like this episode definitely examines that question of like someone did something terrible and horrible and unthinkable but at what point are we doing something terrible and unthinkable and, and worse you know and i love that question i love john Hammond this episode i feel like it's an episode that uh got a lot of awards and a lot of attention and i feel like this is one that kind of put uh put black mirror right on on the huge pedestal on the map, it was the last uh, of the productions prior to Netflix purchasing the rights to the show. So it was the last time uh, before it got this big budget boost and this huge uh, U.S. appeal by being a Netflix show. And I feel like it works as this kind of bridging of the two worlds. You know, you have John Hamm as this like a wholesome Americana like lead actor. He's like, you're not wholesome, but he's like, you know, a, tip- a very American look and american accent and everything like that it feels like this weird transition from the british to the american take on black mirror but i love this one i feel like what it does so well is the bridging of all those themes into all these different stories and it doesn't just feel like anthologies you know it feels like stuff that actually does genuinely come together and connect to each other and yeah i love this episode it's one where i feel like if you haven't seen black mirror before this might be one that you could start with because it It touches on to all those different themes of what black mirror is and what it goes for so i feel like if you're curious about the show and you're like oh what could what could the show really be about this is one to start with because if you start with the first episode you're going to be like this is gross and not nearly as sci-fi i thought it was going to be and i like the episode but i definitely don't know if the first episode of season one is like the best starting point for black mirror when you have episodes like this that i think capture so much of the show so well that i would send someone here if they're if they're curious
0: yeah, yeah. I think that's one of the ones. The one, you know, I get that, but I also feel like you're kind of blowing your load in the beginning. I feel like, hey, start with White Christmas, but it's like only downhill from there because it's like, like we both had a, des- I think we, none of us had a crossover or we didn't have a crossover two through five, but we both had White Christmas number one. So I think it's without a doubt the best Black Mirror episode. And I feel like any list is probably going to have White Christmas number one.
1: I had uh, I really had a hard time getting Stanchion apparel off of my list because that was one that I really 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 wanted to get a chance to talk about because I love the the sci-fi of that and like the optimistic ending. You know, I, I almost I almost pulled the fast one and just put it as my number one. You know, I was gonna come in here and be like, Joe, White Christmas is not my number one. It was Stanchion Apparel the whole time. But I you know what I had to go back to White Christmas. I feel like it's a great culmination of all the Black Mirror things. You know, so. Definitely one that I love. I love, and I'm gonna go probably watch it tonight. To be honest, talking about it now, I'm like getting the itch. You know, I gotta go watch it again.
0: Yeah, yeah. I feel you on that. So, do we need to make an overall show list? Because I feel like last episode we were gonna make a list, but it's like, okay, let's lock it in. White Christmas number one, and then we just alternate our two through five. You know.
1: Yeah, I feel like because we had such different lists, it's gonna be, it's gonna be hard to come up to a list together. You know, uh, because. A lot of this, like, you yeah, had one you don't even remember watching, you know, is <laughs> my number two. Yeah. How do you feel? What are you? Wanna argue? Uh,
0: I feel like at the end of the day, what, we you had White Bear, like, number three, and I said that would have been my six. And then it's like, okay, so what, we put White Bear at two, and then at that point it's like, okay, well, we just put your three at two, so let's do my two. And it's just like we math it out, and it's not fun, you know?
1: I had a great conversation. Though it was good to revisit the highs of Black Mirror, such a great show. And just scrolling down that list to make this episode, I was so I was having a great time being reminded of the highs of that of that show. Even the weaker episodes, I remember like great sequences or like cool ideas from you know. And something like Archangel, where the a lot of women who really protective Jodie Foster directs it, mom who's really protective of her daughter, and like creates this chip in her head that like erases negative scary things like there's a dog that's barking and scaring her and the chip kind of races the dog so the dog doesn't have to be scared and that's one that i would put on like the bottom era of black mirror like one of the worst episodes but still that's a really cool concept and there's a great performance in there and Jody foster directs it well so even for me even the worst of the show is is very good
0: yeah it's like pizza man even if it's bad it's good
1: And I can't wait to talk about the rest of the other season next week because I covered a couple episodes, but I did not want to go into super detail. So maybe next week we can do a whole spoiler conversation. If you've seen all of it and I've seen all of it, we can really like dive into the, the questions of the episodes, some of our favorites. Maybe we have our own top three or whatever of the season, something like that.
0: Yeah, I'm down with that. So, you know, we were locked in Black Mirror. We'll talk about it this season next week. Are you ready for our last conversation of the episode?
1: I am, Joe, and I feel like I got a runaway pick here.
0: All right. For once in a
1: while, I came prepared.
0: I can't wait to hear it. And that is our MVP of the week, or the last two weeks, really. Who's your pick? What's your pick?
1: It seems obvious,
0: but we talked about
1: them all episode, you know, and – Charlie Brooker, for me, is the MVP of my streaming week because I pre-watched a lot of Black Mirror, and I also felt like even though Black Mirror just dropped yesterday, I saw a lot of conversation about it, a lot of hype building up for it, and Netflix doesn't usually promote their stuff super hard necessarily, but they've been promoting Black Mirror, and I feel like they do that because they know they got Charlie Brooker on their hands. It's one of those shows where I feel like if he decided to step away, like the fact that it hasn't come on for three, four years shows that like they're not doing the show without him, right? He is Black Mirror. It would feel weird to have the show keep going and give it to some other creatives or like some stock house Netflix writers. And to stand out as an auteur in the Netflix world, I feel like is really, really difficult. So I'm proud of him in a way for being able to do that and keep the show great through all of these changes and all of these different companies crossing, you know, oceans to produce a show on a different continent. And it still maintains the quality, if not improves, you know.
0: Yeah, because at that point, if you if they were like, hey, we're doing, um, what is it, season seven would be the next season. We're doing Black Mirror season seven, but Charlie Brooker stepping away. I'd be like, well, then it isn't really Black Mirror. The only way I would see it's Black Mirror is if they were like, oh, yeah, another person who's been co-writing episodes. Like if this season comes out and it's great and I love it and every episode is Charlie Brooker or this episode co-written Charlie Brooker and, you know, Bob Smith. And they're like, but Bob Smith's taking over in season seven. I'd be like more okay with it but if it's just some random other person coming in i'd be like but it's not black mirror then you know mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: and i hope that they never do that without him you know i wonder if this will be the last season of black mirror but i've been saying that for like two three seasons at this point but i'm sure if they make more it'll be a while you know i wonder if they will it with a special or something like that to tide us over but you know enjoy your enjoy your black mirror i know people want to binge but for me it's the show where i kind of want to watch like one episode at a time and kind of like really sit with it and think about it because there's a lot to chew on. Yeah. And I don't want to shove it all down and then be like starving for the next four or five years until we get another season.
0: Yeah, and I heard uh, Charlie Brooker said in an interview he used Chat GP to write an episode of Black Mirror and he said it was horrible.
1: <laughs> That's not surprising, you know. Yeah.
0: All right, and so that wraps up our episode for the week, Tristan, I have one final question. Uh, Black Mirror is known for usually having one or two big names per episode at this point. If you could pick someone who hasn't appeared in Black Mirror to be in an episode of Black Mirror, who would you pick?
1: I feel like you could get something really cool out of an Adam Driver in Black Mirror. I feel like you go for a big a big star like that. He could bring like a John Hamm type of energy and I feel like Adam Driver is so versatile that you could be someone where you'd root for him at the beginning and then I could easily see Charlie Brooker pulling something where you realize that he's been evil the whole time and the ship, the performance will shift just a tiny little bit enough for you to pick up on that. You know, I, I think the versatility of Adam Driver would be something that Charlie Brooker could play with so much because you could throw him into like all kinds of different scenarios. He loves those like escalating snowball kind of scenarios where it starts off as like this tiny little sci-fi question, this tiny little problem, and then all of a sudden it's this huge, massive thing crushing a character. So I feel like you give Andrew... Oh, you give uh, a a driver that level of stuff. He could be giving you a, a true high energy performance. I'm I'm down for that.
0: All right, my pick was someone who starred in a comedic version of what could have been a Black Mirror episode. In that, and which is Click. And my pick was Adam Sandler. I think for a lot of the same reason. I think you could do something comedy, but also something super dramatic, or a little bit of both. You know. Yeah.
1: Hopefully, one day we'll see all them work together. You know.
0: Yeah. yeah I'd love. What if they announced Season 7 first episode as an Adam Driver, Adam Sandler, the two Adams, and an episode <laughs> of Black Mirror together?
1: And Adam, Adam Scott. Scott.
0: And and Adam Scott, yeah. Uh, all right. I like it. Uh, I think that wraps up our episode for the week. We will hopefully be back next week to talk Black Mirror and whatever else news or shows or movies drop. Uh, and I believe my last thing to say is, without further ado, hey, thank you for watching. Goodbye.